Hi folks, a very quick announcement before we get started on the episode this week. And that is a huge thank you to Katie Unicorn Stewart. I don't know if your middle name really is Unicorn. If it is, that is an awesome name. So the fabulous Katie Unicorn Stewart gave us a recent review on Apple Podcasts about the recent Governance Summit summary. So five stars for Take On Board, she says. Loved the recent Governance Summit summary podcasts. Super useful. Katie, happy to help. Thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time to do a review. So a little prompt for others that might be listening. I love it when I get reviews and you might get read out on the pod as well. So get in there and work out how to do ratings and reviews and let me know what you think of the pod. All right, on with the show. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast. Being on a board can be an incredibly valuable, interesting and exciting experience. Yet it can also be lonely, challenging and, let's face it, pretty hard. So here at Take On Board, I'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you navigate your way onto a board, onto your next board and to build your governance wisdom. Now, on with the show. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Mel Sharon about board calendars. Before we start the podcast today, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we record. For me, I'm on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to elders past and present and any First Nations people who might be listening today. I acknowledge their continuing connection to land, waters, skies and culture. I continue to support the Uluru Statement from the Heart around voice, treaty and truth, and I encourage others in the Take On Board community to do the same. I stand in solidarity with First Nations people for reconciliation. Now, let me tell you about Mel. Mel provides company secretary services to a number of boards, including Terrain Natural Land Management in Cairns, Mary Beck Affordable Housing, and the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre in Melbourne. She's previously been on a number of boards, including Ruby on Rails, which I have to ask her about because I had to look that up. We'll come to that soon. And Moreland Affordable Housing. Mel says she's not into being on boards as some others in the Take On Board community are. She likes the governance side and helping getting them organised. In some form or another, she's been involved in governance work for the past three decades. Just the sort of person we love here at Take On Board. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Mel. Thanks very much for having me, Helia. It's really great to be here. So, Mel, before we dig into board calendars, which is one of my favourite subjects, let's dig a little bit deeper about you. Can you tell me a story about young Mel that tells us a bit about how you got to where you are today? When I was a youngster, about 16, I um, was living in a country town and working for an international chain of fast food enterprises, and I won't say which one. But basically, they were underpaying me and underpaying my colleagues. And some of my colleagues were 16 years old like me, but working full time. And we weren't getting paid our award rates. We weren't getting paid this. The manager was chopping up our timesheets. We'd put our timesheets in, cutting short our hours and things like that. A couple of conversations were had because a couple of us noticed our hours didn't seem right. And the manager told us that we're not meeting budgets, so you'll just have to put up with it. Now, this is in the days before the internet, so I didn't really know what to do. So I went and found my local union, who unfortunately said they couldn't help because I wasn't full-time, and they said, look, you'll just have to contact the Industrial Relations Commission. 
And I'm like, what the hell is that? So we are talking in the late 80s here. So I went to a school teacher and got one of my school teachers to help me look up the law and to help me find the award. And then we went back to the manager and I said, look, I've looked up the award. This is what you should be paying me. And this is what you should be paying the other staff. I think that you should fix this. Otherwise, I'll report you to the Industrial Relations Commission. Now, I knew I was going to get sacked. I didn't care. I was a casual. Anyway, the manager decided to fix my pay and my pay only, not thinking that I would check everybody else's pay. She also made me employee of the month. So I then went and checked on my colleague's pay. It wasn't right. So I got my school teacher to help me fax off or write off. I can't remember what we did, but I think there may have been a fax involved, a complaint to the Industrial Relations Commission or whatever it was then. Anyway, something happened because the manager disappeared and people's pay started getting better. So what that taught me from a young age was don't walk past something that you think is wrong and also that it also gave me an insight into the Labor movement, so I joined the Labor Party at a young age. And it's also taught me a lot about it's often other people, you might have a problem yourself that you can resolve, but other people don't have as much power as you and they don't have the ability to walk away from a job that's paying their rent, whereas I did. I was just a, just a kid. I'll find another job. So for me, that was my big sort of first lesson in not trusting adults. Well, yeah, we already knew that. But also having questioning the system and then getting involved and trying to make changes that help other people. So that's a bit about why I am the way I am. Mel, doesn't surprise me that you've landed in governance work then because questioning the system, that is often what we do as board directors, question what's going on, do some research and find out what actually is the case, talk to some other people, not necessarily become employee of the month. That's interesting. <laughs> scam to get me to behave myself, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they didn't know you very well. Uh, it will take more than that to get you to behave yourself. And just so people know, I've known Mel for a long time, so I can say that. <laughs> and she misbehaves in the most perfect ways most of the time. <laughs> That is a great story to share, Mel. Thank you. And on behalf of your colleagues as well, thank you, because that's pretty amazing that you stood up knowing there was a risk to you and knowing there would be loss to you and you did it anyway on behalf of your colleagues. And then in the end, you all got to stick around and all got to have what you deserved and what you fairly earned. So yeah, well done you. And like I say, that tells us quite a bit about how you got to where you are today. So, Mel, then let's turn to the governance geek side of things. I had put out a call, I think in the Take On Board Facebook group, somebody had asked about board calendars. We were having a bit of a chat about it in that Facebook group. Mel shared some beautiful wisdom and it's like, hey, let's do a podcast about it. So that's how this one came about. So thank you for first up providing that wisdom in the Facebook group and secondly saying yes when I said let's have a yarn about it. So board calendars they're key, I think. Uh, in the Board Accelerator program that I run, every year the very first session is focused on board calendars because they are so key. Yet I know often people don't know what they are. Sometimes I hear, yeah, we've got all the board meetings in the calendar, so it's all in my diary. We've got a board calendar then, haven't we? Yeah. There's probably a bit more to it than that. So let's start with that, Mel. What is a board calendar? The simplest way to explain it is it's a list of things that you hope that you're going to get to over the year. 
It's a list of the requirements that you must get to over the year. And it's a wish list of things that you think you might talk about during the year. So often it's a spreadsheet or a bit of paper or a couple of post-it notes. It really doesn't matter what it is. The more organized, the better, and the more geeky, the better. But actually, it's a way of organizing the thoughts of the board and management around what they're going to achieve over the next 12 months. So board calendars don't work if they're not aligned to management calendars. Board calendars don't work if they are static because things change. No one saw COVID coming. So they have to be something that is also alive and gives people a way of managing, of thinking about what's coming up. One of the biggest things I think with board calendars is using them to create the space to talk about strategy because we can become so focused on the minutiae of day-to-day operations in the board, particularly when we're a small board and a small organisation that tends to be more management focused, it's really hard to lift your head up and out and do the strategy thing. So having a board calendar that sets out what you're going to be talking about strategy-wise over the next 12 months is a really good way of then of having the, the diligence and the uh, the headspace to actually do those things. So that for me is what a board calendar is. It sets out what it is that you're hoping to do over the next 12 months and kind of what your requirements are. So I, I imagine some of those things about the requirements, the must-do, sometimes the more compliancey pieces, there's your annual general meeting or signing off your annual accounts or providing whatever reports to whatever regulatory framework your organisation happens to be in. I imagine those things don't necessarily change year to year, only if the regulatory framework does, yeah? That's right. And there's not that many of them when we think about it. People often talk about, oh, we've got all these regulatory requirements. And I'm like, well, you do, but you don't. You've got to make sure your AIS statement goes in if you're regulated to the ACNC. Okay, hang on, back it up. AIS statement. Annual information statement. ACNC, yes goes to the Australian Charities. The Australian Charities and Not-for-Profit Commission. Not-for-Profit Commission. That has to go in and or for your um, Victorian or other state incorporated associations type of thing. Your, AG, your annual general meeting needs to be done every year. And you might also have a requirement for your statutory accounts to be signed off or audited. So those are some of the key things that, that happen each year. And then on top of those, those are sort of the outward focusing ones that you need to do to stay registered and to stay compliant with the government regulators. That's some of the board requirements of that. But there's other things as well that are super important that can be things like making sure that you've got your CEO KPI sorted out or remuneration sorted out having your risk side of it, making sure that you've done whatever checks and balances you need to do to do succession planning. So, yeah, there might be the regulatory things in that, and the things that you've listed off for those organisations, for those people that are listening that might not, that are on a range of different boards, whether it's the ACNC, the Australian Charities and Not-for-Profit Commission, or whether it's the Securities, ASIC, the Australian Securities and Investment Commission, or whatever the regulatory body is, wherever you happen to be, they'll all be kind of similar. They'll have some of the similar sorts of rules. And then, as you said, so there's the things that are regular, the regulatory stuff, CEO performance review, succession planning, actually you said, and the risk stuff. What is the risk stuff? The risk stuff is my passion. A lot of what we talk about in governance is we go, oh yeah, we should look at the risks, but we don't really have often have a, a scheduled time 
in our annual calendar to say, what are the key risks? What are the upcoming risks? What's our appetite like? And how is that going to impact our next set of strategic directions or the work that we're doing at the moment? So for me, one of the big ticket items that I first put into a board calendar is my risk schedule. Now, thinking about that, I also like to say that if you've got any committees, the committees work, the committees, the board subcommittee should be sort of doing the heavy lifting on a whole range of these areas. So a risk committee would, first of all, come up with the key risks and a bit of a draft for the board to consider. So timing, that's really important too. So sort of laying out what the subcommittees have got to do with what the board's got to do, and then having a really great flow between the two works really well. And and in doing that, you'll make sure you'll get the key items on the agenda. So for example, budget. The budget suddenly appears in June, but there's been a lot of work done before the board sees the budget in June. You might have a finance committee that's involved in that. The board might be small and it's had a draft budget coming in May. So putting those things in are really important as well. But they don't just happen at that one day. There's got to be the preparatory work for those to happen. But one of the things that I really think is quite amusing with board calendars is the ones you see on the internet, and they're lovely. The AICD, the Australian Institute of Company Directors one, it's great, but it's many pages and it's got lots of dots and it's got lots of things. And trying to follow it, for me, is really hard. I think you can get them on a page with all your requirements for the whole year on one page and it's really simple and you can then keep it in the board pack and it can be flexible and you can change it. But what I think is one of the the big things is to create a space for each meeting, which is on a strategy topic or a deep dive. You don't have to pick those for the full 12 months in advance, but you create the space in the calendar and the diary that that's what's going to happen. And I think that the other thing is we try and put too much into our board calendars. So it's like packing, put all your stuff into it, then take a third of it out, look at it again and take another third of it out, and then you might be somewhat close to what you can actually achieve. Because if we get too operational in our board calendars, we miss our obligations and our duties as directors and we miss our obligations about the role of the board. And the role of the board is about strategy, strategic direction, and monitoring what we're doing, making sure the financial position is, you know, going along okay, and then having that ethical base and that other strong base around OH&S and our other obligations. So thinking about actually layering in what our obligations as directors are into our board calendar is really helpful. So one of the things I often tell people to do is have at least one session that's on occupational health and safety so that directors can show that they've discharged their duties on understanding the OH&S obligations of the company. And one training session is not enough, but it's a way of showing what you're doing and how you're doing it. I love that idea of layering in. And it sounds like it's layering in both what the management need to do. So what are the operational requirements? And then layering on top of that, what's the committee work that needs to happen? And then layering on top of that, the board work and only keeping the board work. I love the suitcase. Chuck out the committee work, chuck out the management work, only keep what's on that board calendar, in that suitcase, that is the board work and the key board work. I love it. So 
what are the sorts of things you said before about having strategy or some sort of strategic discussion on board calendars or at least space for those strategic conversations? What have you seen that's worked well in that space? Okay, there's a couple of ways of approaching it. One of them is to grab your strategic directions and just do a deep dive into each one as they come along. But often people are in the process of rewriting their strat directions or rewriting something. And so this can be also an opportunity to have that precursor conversation and do the pre-work before you might have a strategic planning day. So the first time that you're talking about the next strategy isn't on that half day that you've got with a consultant. You've actually done the pre-work in your board meetings and you've thought about it and you've brought management along with you and management has brought you along with them because that sort of strategic work can be, it's the most important thing a board can do. But also it's a contested space because lots of people have different ideas. So there's the old way what you used to do of getting, of putting up 20 ideas on the wall and getting people to put their red dots on the bit of paper. Oh, don't tell me the red dots are no good, Mel. I'm a facilitator. We can't have a workshop without the dots. The red <laughs> dots are great, but if you're online, you can do online voting at what you think. So you can do the red dots online these days. There's a whole lot. And it's not the be all and end all, but yeah, anyway, keep going. I love the red dots. And that way you're also involving the directors in picking what they think are the big topics for the next 12 months. Because whatever your company secretary says, so in my case, I'll tap to the chair, but I've only got one perspective. The rest of the board has other perspectives. The committees have their own perspectives and the person who's the expert on cybersecurity will want to talk about cybersecurity three times during the year. It's a matter of balancing out what's actually the important things for the board and what's coming up and having that forward look because often we look back at problems. We don't look forward for what we will be as an organisation in three years' time. So that I think is actually having that sort of blue guy thinking time because again we never make time for that we just assume it happens in the background and it's or it gets jammed in at the end of the meeting when we're all tired and we just want to go home so the other thing I try and do is put the strategy thing up the front end of the agenda because agenda planning is just as important as board calendar planning and by having us fresh when we're thinking about strategy means that we're also taking the time and we're making it put front and centre that this is actually what our job is, it's to be in this space. It might be a risk conversation, it might be a deep dive into a clinical governance framework if we're on a health board, it might be a deep dive into some of our funding problems that we've got if we're a small family violence charity or something like that. It's just picking out a couple of issues and then making the space for them first. The other thing that I think is super critical is to have a look at what your board charter is. Like, what does the board charter say that you're going to do each year? Then also have a look at what your committee's terms of reference are. What do they say they're going to do each year? And then making sure that they've got a plan to achieve those. And if it's not achievable, work out what is achievable and maybe change your terms of reference to what's possible. Because there's nothing worse than having this impossible task set ahead of you and you know it's not possible. So change your parameters to what's actually possible and what do you need to do. So there's a fair bit to it in the sense of thinking of of lining up the boards, the committees, the work plans, the charters and your statutory obligations 
and then working out how you can put it all on one page so it makes sense to everybody else in the room. Oh my God, it's magic. The, the company secretary should be called just the company magician, I think, if they line all of that stuff up. But I love that idea about, again, you're layering in those things and it's only when you put all of those pictures together, you know, the finance committee might have their work and depending on what committees are in existence, I don't know, the people and culture committee might have their work. They're doing all of their calendars and then you roll them up into the board calendar so you can see what's coming through. And all of a sudden you realise, I don't know, the August board meeting is, has to be 10 hours long to get through everything, but the May board meeting has only got two things on it. So can you shuffle things around in a way that makes sense? And the shuffling around is really important too because some people, it doesn't matter that a committee might have done something four months ago. That deep dive can come back to the board at a later time or it can be done as another way, a written report or something like that. The other thing that I think is really key is working out where management's at because Often I see a management operational plan that has absolutely no bearing to the board calendar. And I think to myself, how is that going to work together so that we get the right management reports coming up that fits in with what the board calendar is? So again, it's aligning that management piece and around the operational planning piece that in with the board calendar to be able to get some flow. Now, it's never perfect. And if you try for perfection, you will never land a calendar. And that is my big thing with them. Just give it a shot. It doesn't have to be perfect. If it is perfect, it will fall apart at the first meeting anyway, because something will happen. So I'm all about the flexibility and also leaving in just spaces and ideas. We could pick one of these four topics for this meeting. And the meeting beforehand, pick which topic you're going to do. But it's making, and then it's sort of really engaging the board in how we'll set the agenda together. Because also boards can feel a bit like driven by either the company secretary or the chair into what their agenda is and what their planning is likely to be. By involving everybody in that board calendar discussion and that's sort of that forward planning looking, I think you get a better outcome from all the directors because everyone feels more engaged. Management understands what's going on and the board itself can go, aha, and what have we missed? And there will always be something that you've missed because that's okay too because that's actually what you would expect to occur. You said you can't be perfect. So by putting in what's essential and then putting in what you might like to have, I think that's a really good way. And then doing assessments halfway through, a quarter way through, or even at each board meeting about how do we go today? Did we meet what we were trying to achieve? So that's the other part of it as well. Yeah, and it's interesting that. So you need to put on the board calendar development and review of the board calendar. Absolutely. <laughs> and again, I'm doing some now. I'm doing three or four at the moment for next year. And the style that everyone wants is slightly different, which is fine. I'll try to put some documents out at some point with some examples of what board calendars can look like. But every organisation is slightly different. But I do think the principles of going, of just the, the very simple principles of what do we have to do And that also involves what's our job as strategy and risk leaders of the organisation, plus our statutory requirements. And then what do we need to do for the future of the company or of the entity that we've got? And then what are the other things that are sitting around that we should be doing or we might do? Yes. And I like that. What do we have to do? I'm thinking about the dual emphasis of it in a way. It's like, what do we have to do? 
but what do we have to do? There are some things that have to be done, but it doesn't have to be done by the board. So I think that's the other thing about when it comes to board is that what's missing and what doesn't need to be on our list, what needs to be on the list, but not our list. And then what you're asking management to do in some sense is to, and then reporting up. So some of the things that could be on the board calendar are actually management reports that the board might not actually discuss, but we're expecting to see the quarterly report against the operational plan at this meeting. We're expecting to see that the management succession planning documents have started to become in place. We're expecting to see the results of the people and culture survey to come to this meeting. And then you might only spend 10 minutes or five minutes on those actual topics, but those reports that you expect to see also help drive the work of the organisation, helps management understand where the board's priorities are and helps the board better understand the work of what management are doing. So, you know, I'm thinking about what the headings almost are on the calendar and I've heard in there there might be things like governance requirements, governance or regulatory requirements around AGMs and annual reports and all that sort of thing. There might be risk, one of your favourite topics I heard might be in there, finance and the financial requirements, people. Policy frameworks, because a lot of what we do also is policy and delegations. And again, depending on the size and type of the board, it'll either be the full suite of policies or just the top level ones that will set the delegations and the tone from the top of what the board expects on the policy documents that are in place there. So again, it's making space for those areas there. So we've got everything from policy frameworks, which can really be around the corporate governance charter as well, and strategy. One thing I think sometimes we do miss is getting to know the organisation because directors come in and they have a two or three hour board meeting. And sometimes we don't get to hear a lot from everyone except for the CEO and maybe the CFO. So one of the things that I've been working on with some organisations is to get a presentation at either each meeting or every second meeting from a a person at the front line who's delivering the services that the organisation is providing so that you're getting that exposure of seeing staff. Staff are getting connected to the board and you're also sort of understanding the work of the organisation. So everything else you do is in context with that because we don't exist as a board to sit around and talk about meetings and strategy documents. We exist as a board to do something and that is usually provide services for other people or do good in some way. It doesn't matter whether you're Qantas or whether the local basketball club, your job is the same. It's got exactly the same requirements and that you're there to provide a service or to provide a way that things can happen around you. So I think getting as many voices around the table and planning that in is really helpful as well. Also, the board calendar can involve things like opportunities for directors to attend staff conferences or other events. So they can be not compulsory, but they can be popped into the calendar to remind people about what's coming up. Is there a staff state day coming up? Is there a conference that a bunch of staff or some of the directors are going to? What are some of the areas that we can put into the calendar that aren't requirements, but they're in February, there's this coming up? Ah, I might plan to do that. But the other thing is the calendar should never be set and forget. I'm a big fan of having it in the board pack every meeting and then having a two-minute conversation to say, are we on track? 
And is there anything we need to change? Because that way it doesn't just get left until the next 12 months and we go, oh, I've got to get the board calendar out again because it was pointless if that's what we did. Yes, it needs to be a live document. Mel, so much beautiful stuff in here. What are the key things you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? That you don't need to do anything too complicated involving an Excel spreadsheet, but you really just need to sit down and do a five-minute brainstorm And sometimes that's enough and then you get better at it. Look for other people's examples. Ask people for what they've done and then schedule in what you need to do. But really think about what you'd like to do. What do you want the board to have achieved over the next 12 months and get that on the page? And it doesn't matter what it looks like because it's just your document. No one else has to care about it. It's your document to plan out how you're going to work over the next 12 months. And is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Yeah, there is a few resources. I really do like the AICD resource and I really do like just Googling up board calendars, you get plenty of examples. But there will actually be a resource going, there is actually a resource going up on um, our website, Influence Global, just a bit of few dot points around how to plan and what to do and with a, a little plan draft board calendar that we've done for some people, de-identified, and we're hoping people can use that because also it's no good starting from a blank page, steal someone else's and then just use it. That's my always advice is who else is out there who's done something and then borrow what they've done. I say steal, borrow, same thing, and take it from there. But, yeah, just Googling them up gives you plenty of examples But I do like the AICD resource and I do like pretty much anything that you see is going to give you an idea. It doesn't matter whether nothing's going to be perfect for you and your organisation, but everything's going to give you an idea. Well, we'll put a link to the AICD resource in the show notes and also to your website, Influence Global, to get your handy resources on that as well. I was going to ask if you've got a de-identified one and you do. So that's fantastic. Oh, Mel, thank you. Thank you so much for, as I say, first up, sharing your wisdom in the Facebook group that led to this conversation and then answering the call, I guess, and agreeing to be here and be part of this conversation today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with the Take On Board community. Thank you. And thank you for letting me be a governance geek because it's what I love to do. (laughs) You're in fine company here. (laughs) Thanks, Mel. Thank you. So that's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and being part of the Take On Board community. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women and gender diverse people together. So I invite you to join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, an active group that helps, supports and cheer squads each other. Just search Take On Board in Facebook to find us. I'd also really love it if you could do some of the other, well, podcast things. Share the podcast with someone you know who might get some value from our discussions. Subscribe if you haven't already. And well, I also really love it when people rate and review. Thanks again for being part of the Take On Board community. Now go and put these tips, tricks and advice into action so you can be your best in the boardroom.